Every time you do a trailer read, you have to be like, nope, this is how it's supposed to sound. If you don't like it, screw you. But this is what it is. <laughs> Getting feedback from someone, choosing not to take it personally, is actually very freeing. And I find for me that I do the worst when I'm trying to give somebody what they want. It's like the modern version of the the two people inside of a horse. <laughs> <laughs> Times are changing. We want different voices. We want different races. We want more female voices. I think it's a beautiful thing. And there is something about the strength in numbers that has been really emboldening. Lying on the floor, flopping around like a, <laughs> like a fish for 45 minutes. We work in isolation booths. So if we, <laughs> if we don't want to be isolated, we should leave those booths. Never think, uh, I hope he asks me to be, I hope he pitches me to whoever, whatever he's, like if you think that way and you're just trying to use people. Blah, 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 blah. Oh my God, that's him. Wow, you got the part. Hired on the spot. Yeah. Pilots my meat suit. I've only heard really bad things about Jamie. Right. Well, yeah, that know, makes sense. That, that makes sense. Watch the <laughs> though. Instead of trying to figure out how to get into it, I just brought a bunch of people together that none of us knew in the industry. Stop wiping expectations on any audition. As soon as you start telling stories and having actors touch people's heads and hearts with their performances, you're going to have people that are going to want to connect to the people behind those voices. You're going to get a lot more no's than you get yeses, and I, that's true for me today. Hello, hello everyone. Sorry for the delay. <laughs> we will get back to regular scheduled programming soon. This is a special, this is a special episode of the podcast, and it features an interview, uh, a panel interview even, with Mera Juno, Mia Bankston and Rob Morera. All three fantastic voice talent, very successful and lovely people too. And this was held at the Evocation Conference last month, which myself and Karen Guilfrey uh, organize. And um, this was such a wonderful panel. I wanted to bring it to you guys. Every year, I think, at Vocation, I'm going to try and bring one piece of it to you so you can get a flavor of what, what happened. Um, this, of course, was a socially distant online virtual conference, and it's all to do with the business of voiceover. And we were talking to Mira, Mia and Rob about their life as voice actors. So it was the Working Pros panel. So lots of little tidbits of information and inspirational stories and um, advice for you guys. And uh, I really, really loved this panel. All three of them were super open and um, honest about their journey through the industry and uh, their advice for you and how you can be part of it. I don't really have anything to plug other than the fact that you should uh, follow us on social media. Definitely join the Facebook group, the VO School Podcast group. It's a great place to ask questions and interact and uh, follow up on podcast episodes. We will be back to our regular panel type episode shortly, but this is uh, a little bonus for you guys. Um, so I hope you enjoy it. Thank you, as always, for listening. The National Zoo. Because sometimes you just need to stroke a llama. Instagram. Download it and start embarrassing your teenagers today. Resolve spot in Spain. Because the dog's gonna drag his butt on the carpet. He just is. Engage the droid army with this Lego Star Wars Republic fighter tank. Hi, it's J. Michael Collins. And these are just a few examples of the first-class demos my team and I are producing. If you'd like to have something similar, visit jmcvoiceover.com and click on the Demo Production tab to find out more. Okay, so let's start out with you guys talking about what kind of voiceover you do, and then we'll get into how you got to where you started. So Mia, you're on my screen first, so why don't you launch, launch away with that? 
Sure. Uh, well, when I first started out, I did a little bit of everything. Uh, now I'm primarily uh, in commercials and promos. And yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Karen, for that, that wonderful introduction. <laughs> of course, my pleasure. I meant every word. <laughs> and uh, Mira, what about you? Hey, everybody. Um, my name is Mara, and I do pretty much the same. I do a lot of everything, pretty much everything except audiobooks, um, but my bread and butter lately tends to be video games, animation, promo, and a little commercial. <laughs> nice. All right, Rob, what about you? Uh, yeah, so what up, y'all? Um, I mostly do commercial. Uh, besides commercial, I also do, um, I mean, at least in the last week or two, has been uh, promo, a lot of political. Um, I've been doing tons of political uh, lately. And uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I'm up to now, at least. But I've kind of done everything. And mobile games, a lot of mobile games. Cool. So this panel every year is kind of the aspirational panel I think of because it's you guys are doing are living the life that a lot of voice prospective voice talent want to lead. So we're going to try and figure out how you got where you are, um, and that's going to be very helpful for people. So let's find out how you guys started. So uh, Mero, when did you start, and what was your journey to this point like from the beginning? Sure. Um, I'm actually one of those rare birds who uh, has a radio background and was able to get out of that radio curse. Um, I did radio for about seven and a half years in greater New Orleans. Um, I did three stations at a time and then finally decided to move on to voiceover. Um, and that was actually through pay to play at the time. Um, I was in a small town in Louisiana. There weren't any agencies that could really handle voiceover that really, that really understood the industry. So I kind of took it into my own hands and just started doing heavy, heavy, heavy research on all the top agencies, watching a lot of, you know, uh, webinars and things like that, and, and just really going for it like 14, 16, 18 hours a day, just immersing myself into the business. Um, so yeah, pay to plays are kind of where I first got my start and uh, a whole lot of hustling and uh, eventually 12 years later, here I am in Los Angeles. <laughs> Amazing. Love that story. All right, what about you, Mia? Yeah, I am um, I'm a theater kid, so I have a background being on the stage. And um, I moved here in 2007 from grad school. And as we all know, 2008 is when things went crazy and the economy went down the drain. And um, I had to take on uh, a day job in 2010 that did not allow me to audition for theater. And that's when I thought about voiceover. Um, I, when I was an undergrad, I had a coach who actually did voiceover and he kind of introduced me to it. Um, so when I took on this day job that didn't allow me the flexibility you know, to audition for theater, I just kind of plunged myself into the world of VO. And I started taking classes with Edge um, pretty much over all over uh, 2010, by the end of 2011, had my narration demo, signed up uh, for the pay to plays, just like Mira, and sort of built up a repeat client list from there. Um, and 
yeah, immerse myself just was a sponge. And, you know, I was that person that was on some of the, uh, the VO forums that didn't say anything as the newbie. I would just kind of like creep around and like get all the information that I could because my day job was a receptionist. So I had all this opportunity to like, kind of like check a person in and say, Hey, and also go back to reading the forum and taking notes. And, uh, so yeah, that's how I pretty much started. Love that. And, and you're based in New York, clearly. Yes, I'm in New York. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Uh, so Rob, you're the baby of this group, really, because you haven't been doing it too long. So, uh, but you've made a, you know, meteoric rise. So tell us, tell us about how you got started. Yeah. So, um, I started, I also did theater. I did a lot of theater, um, <clears throat> here in New York. And, um, in doing that, I ended up meeting a fellow actress who did voiceover and she's the one that kind of put the bug in my head. She um, was amazingly supportive and she really believed that I could make something out of it. And honestly, uh, having that, that much support that early on is probably what helped me the most. So um, she got me set up with like a little home setup, something super rinky dink and simple, but it did its job. I went to a couple workshops and I, to, you know, learn essentially, I ended up doing a demo um, I sat on it for like a year cause I was like, cool, where's the, where the, where's the work? But you know, it doesn't work like that. So, um, I went back, uh, did some more workshops and then, um, I got an agent actually. I did nothing. I had no credits, uh, but my agent saw me. Yo hablo espanol. So that's a big old ticket. Um, and, uh, that got me in. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, so then I, I did that. I did uh, a couple of gigs. I had a full-time job at the time, but um, I rose up really quickly. Um, and honestly, being Latino is actually what helped because I ended up locking in McDonald's two months into being a voice actor. And I was their uh, Latin American voice for about six months. So Amazing. Wow. Straight into the deep end. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was well, very much a sink or swim. <laughs> Figure yeah. it out. Yeah, absolutely. So um, usually I would start building from the past and sort of work up to the present day. But I do want to talk about the elephant in the room, which is, of course, COVID and where we are right now. Um, so as a sort of tangential little direction we go in right now, how have you guys been over the last five months? What's work been like? How has your life changed? Where are we right now? And what do you think is the future holds for us? Don't I would fight. say for me, um, because I started in a small town in a home studio, I kind of built my career that way. So after moving to Los Angeles, I'm not going, you know, obviously right now into studios as much, but fortunately having done this for over a decade now, I've built up a lot of repeat clientele. And so you know, and I know how to, I have two fully functional uh, home studios here in the house because, uh, you know, of course, my partner, Jordan Reynolds, he's also a full time voice actor. So we, we, we've kind of already got everything set up. Um, unfortunately, that wasn't the case for a lot of talent here in Los Angeles because there are so many studios on every corner. Um, so I've heard from agents that only 20 percent of talent were actually ready to, you know, have broadcast quality sessions from their home. So I know that's something that a lot of people are are curious about. Um, but for me, it's kind of been business as usual, just not going into other studios myself. Yeah. All the same kind of work or has it shifted slightly? 
actually, I've been really surprised at how much the industries are adapting. Um, you know, video games in particular. Um, I, I do a lot of video game work, and I, I mean, usually I'm working on a new video game or, or even a repeat video game almost every week, if not every other week. And so I've worked with a lot of different companies, and everybody's got a different setup, but it's been amazing to see how a lot of these developers have got things set up where they're sending kits to our house with, you know, the microphone. Um, if you don't have a studio, they're sending, you know, like um, Chaotica eyeballs and, and, and temporary booths for everybody. Um, even laptop gear, you know, where you plug everything up to your Ethernet, and they can literally tap in and record, you know, like control all of your... Um, your audio settings, you know, your volume and everything. So we can just focus on being a talent. They'll name the files. I did a session uh, day before yesterday where that's exactly what happened. They zoomed in, we shared screens and, you know, we had like five different windows, but one side we had our script and then the engineers just furiously, you know, writing file names down, dragging files from my computer to his computer. And people are, it's been amazing to see how we're adapting and making it work. And what's even more amazing is, is hearing how this may, you know, be the new normal even once things kind of go back to normal so it's it's quite interesting to see yeah absolutely what about you rob um yeah i actually had a massive uptick once covid hit which is like terrible but at the same time an amazing like blessing at the same time because um i had been building kind of my own home setup for a while even though i had worked with agents to start with um i did you know kind of create a a studio space for myself in my office it's actually like right there um so in doing that once it happened i had already been accustomed to working with clients directly um what changed though um and i think the reason why things got went you know up at the way they did is because i'm bilingual um that really was kind of the ticket for me because um before you would never think, I mean, at least I would in, in, you know, the seven years that I've been doing it, that an agent would ever reach out to a talent and be like, Hey, what's up? I need you. Uh, please work with us. Uh, and that's exactly what happened. That happened to me twice over. Mind you, one of them was a New York agency and I was like, I'm represented. Sorry. But they became it, it, uh, being a bilingual talent became such a hot commodity that my overall value literally double tripled so um it's actually been very very well for me but at the same time in that happening i had to also be prepared because the opportunity presented itself so i had to buckle down and get ready to work because i needed to show that not only could i do the job but i can do it well and i could do it professionally in a proper timely manner um so I had to conduct myself more so as a business than ever before. And you'd just gotten your studio fully plugged in, right? It was in like the fall of last year that you got your booth? I bought I, my, my full booth, yeah, because I was, I was rocking a PVC booth for probably like a year. And it did the job, you know, like it, it, it did enough. I, I, I was going to studios more than I was working from home. Um, so then it was this, I ordered it probably September. I had it November. So it was Thanksgiving, just after Thanksgiving, my booth came in, uh, mm-hmm. I put it together and then COVID hit in April and it was like, Whoa, I just remember looking at my wife, like, dang, that was, woo, that was close. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was interesting. Mind you, she's the one that told me, she was like, just get it, do it. 
you know, just you're going to keep you're going to keep complaining about not having a booth. Just get the booth. And then yeah. after I did it, of course, you know, my wife being the wife, she was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I told you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so I, 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 had to, I had to take yeah. the L on that one. And be like, yes, you're right. You're amazing. I'm stupid. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm the same. I procrastinate like nobody's <laughs> business. My wife. I'm telling you, it's hilarious. She's hey, she, um, she, she knew what she was talking about. Yeah. I'm glad I listened. That's right. Um, so Mia, what about you? How have the last five, six months been treating you? Yeah. I mean, sort of like Rob, I had, well, when I, I was recording in another booth, I just moved last year and I moved to a new space and I bought a sound isolation booth. But before that, in my old place, I was in a closet, but still, you know, recording. Um, so when I got that booth and then when COVID hit, unfortunately, you know, it's like, it's, it is a blessing and a curse to be working, but also of course things are happening with everyone. Um, but clients, you know, especially in the promo world, there's always, there was more information to be out there that, that they needed to talk about and to tell people. Um, and also with commercials, I'm one of the voice, uh, the voices for St. Joseph's College here in New York. And a lot of different colleges needed to update. You know, there was no longer an open house. You know, we have to change the information. So we need you right now, right away, quickly. So a lot of it was like that. Like it was just hurry, hurry up now. We need you. Is get here fast yesterday. Um, and that has kind of slowed down. Well, not with promos because promos is always, yeah, we need you yesterday, but with commercials, it's, it's kind of gotten a little slower with, um, the, uh, the need to have it, have you so quickly. Um, but it's, it's incredible how work is just coming in. It's, it's, and I'm grateful. Definitely. Yeah. That's great to hear. Yeah. Um, so now we're going to go back to sort of the original plan really outside of COVID and talk about your, your progression and, and maybe people who are watching their progression potentially. I want to talk about training because I was late to the game on training. I'll be honest. I'm kind of, I was kind of a tight ass about it, you know, didn't want to spend the money. Like I figured this out. I'll, I'll be all right. And I think I could have expedited my progression a little quicker had I jumped in sooner. So what are your guys' thoughts on training and the importance of training? Mara, you're nodding your head vigorously there. So. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, I could not agree more. I, I think I'm a huge fan of training. Um, you know, I've met some talent in this industry who are just like, you know, oh, I've got a natural talent. It's like, whatever. Michael Jordan, you know, the, the top of the top, they are always training. And that's just the common denominator. I mean, you've heard the, the whole theory about it takes 10,000 hours to become a master of your craft or to become, you know, talented. Um, you know, we, as, as we examine talent, we realize that it is not just an inherent thing. You may have a great voice. You may have a great personality. You may have done radio for years, but this is a completely different industry. This is acting. This is learning how to take the words off of the paper and really make them come to life in a way that doesn't sound like you're reading it, that sounds like you believe it with confidence. And that's the confidence is one of the biggest reasons I think the training is so essential because it takes so long for you to really start to make these words your own because most of the time they're not your words. Um, so the more you're doing it, the more, you know, you just get into a groove and it becomes something that you're more comfortable with. But even when you're at the top of your game, I mean, I still coach regularly, but when I was first getting into this, you know, I tried to sink every nickel I could right back into the business. And that was definitely 
undoubtedly one of the biggest keys to my more rapid success is because, you know, I, I wanted to take this seriously and I knew I had to have have every edge possible. Um, speaking of edge, I, I started out with edge studio. They had a wonderful training program and, uh, got involved with that. I mean, there's, there's affordable options everywhere. Um, you know, because there's free information, of course, that you can learn about the business, but, you practicing on your own or even, you know, a lot of people will, will do these sort of amateur like, um, uh, what do you call it? Workout groups, um, where, where everybody's kind of at the same beginner level, kind of listening to each other. And that's fine, you know, to kind of get your chops, but if nobody's really an expert in the room, then you could be practicing wrong. So I, I can't, you know, recommend enough training with actual professionals who are, you know, immersed in this industry, who are, you know, reputable and, and, recommended by other, you know, top agencies in this industry and, and also shopping around. You know, I, I have to say, when I look back at all the different types of training I've done, even in one particular genre, like just commercial, I, I learned a little bit of something from everybody. Like to this day, you know, I'll have like, you know, Nancy Wolfson in my head, you know, talking about the active hush or I'll have, you know, um, uh, David Goldberg, you know, telling me about, you know, my glottal stops, you know, whatever, all of that stuff has come together and helped me to become the talent that I am. So I highly recommend, you know, coaching often and coaching with a variety of different coaches and, and getting, getting your chops up. It absolutely will make a difference. Great. What about you, Mia? What do you, what would you suggest? I agree 100%. Um, I am coaching with Nancy Wolfson right now because uh, even though I have, you know, many clients and all that, I still want to uh, train and, and uh, be, you know, there's the improv skills and there's all these different skills that we need. There's the script analysis and all those things that we need to be fresh on. So if a client, you know, like a promo session, sometimes your script is not there until you're in the session or something has changed in the middle of it. So you need to be able to know how to, okay, how can I attack this right now uh, and, and show that I'm professional and show that I can act <laughs> because a part of it is acting, a part of it is improv, you know, a part of it is, um, of course, bringing yourself and all those things. Um, but yeah, I 100% agree with training uh, and, and all genres uh, just to see, you know, because sometimes you can take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and um, that helps you in your performance. I, I, I'm sorry, I love, um, I respect the audiobook narrators. I absolutely hate narrating audiobooks. <laughs> However, <laughs> However, I did take an audiobook class early on because I wanted to understand the genre and I wanted to understand, you know, how do these narrators, you know, do what they do? And um, one thing I learned fully from audiobook narrators is to research. And that helps me now with commercials. Like if there's a, um, a product that I am not so familiar with, it allows me to go back and research the brand, research, okay, what, what was the voice before this? Now they're looking for, you know, maybe they've switched their branding and now they've got this new brand. What was the voice before this? And how, uh, how are they, you know, going to go forward in the future with this? So yeah, a hundred percent. <laughs> and, and learning what you hate is a valuable lesson as well too right oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, you learn what yeah. you're not good at <laughs> and and rob i know you've had a lot of coaching too uh did having a coach help you find your identity as a voice actor definitely um i came into voiceover like 
probably what 80 percent of people saying i want to be in the next big huge video game and i'm going to be in the next gigantic cartoon because that's what i want to do and that's not at all what happened um and a reason being is not that i can't do that you know that's it's not something that's out of my realm of ability but i had to learn quickly that where my voice is um and where it sits and its natural tone fits into possibly a different job market and that's what happened is that i ended up realizing very quickly that that animation dream might have to wait a little bit and i might have to grind and eventually probably i'll get there but boy oh boy when it came to commercials they loved me and i had to learn how to love it really because i had those really hard dreams of wanting to be the next whatever because you know you go to comic cons like a fan and you're like i want to be that person that signs autographs but really hard to having, love those commercial checks though right it's really and really that's hard. what it is you know after doing it you know that's when i started to realize not only was it a more lucrative way to start kind of doing things but mm-hmm. that's really where my place was and that's not to say that's all i have to do you know i can eventually venture out but let me strike where i'm in my comfortable zone which is that uh, that casual, commercial, cool guy that you want to have a beer with voice. Apparently, that's where I am. That's where I sit. And that's where people love me. And, in you know, having another language just made me that much more popular. So I had to, you know, kind of temper my expectations and know what I was good at and really mm. go for that and, 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 and flex that muscle. It's there. Uh, you know what I mean? What you want to do may not be what you're great at. So that's why that's what coaching is for is to figure that out. Absolutely. Piggybacking off of what Rob was said, um, I think so many talent to come into this industry and animation is like it, right? I mean, but to be perfectly honest, that's the holy grail of voiceover. I, as I've said, I've been doing this 12 years now and I'm only just now starting to do animation for probably less than a year now. Um, from what I understand, you know, the casting directors, you know, they, they may listen to you 20 times before you're finally like on the, okay, we'll consider a callback. So if you're going into this and you're just putting all your money into animation coaching and number one, you don't live where the animation is, which is Los Angeles. Um, and you know what I mean? You're expecting to make money by just focusing on that one thing. Just know right off the bat, that's not the most realistic thing. It's not saying it's not possible, but you're taking a much bigger risk financially to put all your eggs in that one basket. Absolutely. Yeah. So what are your guys' advice for those people who've maybe gone to some coaching, they've researched this industry, they're now looking to actually make the step into trying to start booking work. They're going to need I mean, let's be frank, now they're going to need a home studio. Mm-hmm. There isn't that you know, infrastructure that exists to just go and start learning, cutting your teeth in studios. So where should the investment be, the initial investment be for folks looking to kick off now, would you say? Yeah, I would say, of course, you know, we've been talking about coaching and then um, getting your, your sound together, your home studio together, because producers are... Um, you know, for a lack of better word, chopping heads off now. Like if you don't have your studio together, uh, they're, they're on to the next. Um, so you definitely want to have that, but, uh, you know, get a mentor is, is what I can say. If you can find someone that, um, you respect their career, you have maybe followed it or researched their career, find someone that can possibly, you know, 
help you along. Uh, don't bug everybody, of course, because <laughs> we're busy. But if you need that help, I, I mean, the voiceover world is so helpful. Uh, I, I don't know how many people along the way that I've, I've just asked one simple question. You know, I mean, God bless Johnny Heller, Carol Monda, all those coaches that I was like immediately uh, emailing and asking questions because I was clueless. Um, so find people that can help uplift you, can help teach you a little bit, and uh, can help push you forward. Yeah. Mira? Uh, I would say for me, I think the most important thing is, I mean, unfortunately, the equipment standards have gone up a little bit, it seems like. Um, which I find rather frustrating. It's really not fair to a lot of talent, but more and more, depending on the genre you're looking at, but not so much commercial, which is good, and not even so much corporate work, which is way more plentiful. But if you're looking at a, a targeted genre like, say, video games, or, or even if you were doing video games before, now the new normal is they're looking at, make sure you have a Sennheiser 416 shotgun microphone. You're talking about a you know $900 microphone. Um, but or even a U87, which is outrageous. And I mean, we're talking $3,500. That's just not realistic. That shouldn't be that much of a barrier to entry. There's still other good mics that are slightly more affordable, like the Neumann TLM 103, which still runs a nice pretty penny, and those are acceptable. But unfortunately now, there's a lot of companies, you know, again, and this is probably more for like the video game sort of stuff, but they are expecting a really well-treated space you know, good equipment means nothing if you have a, a not well-treated space. And unfortunately, sound isolation is probably going to be your biggest challenge, aside from, you know, the coaching and, and acting training. Getting your sound right is is the toughest thing. Um, bass trapping was my nemesis when I first got into this. You know, you'll, you'll even be listening on your headphones. You're like, everything sounds great. And I would send auditions off to the pay-to-plays and listen back. And I'm like, oh, my God, I sound like I'm in a fishbowl. What happened? Um, so, yeah, I would say you don't have to have an expensive home studio, fortunately, in terms of your space. I mean, when I first started out, I was literally in a closet with jeans and coats in front and behind me and not a walk-in closet, like a slide-in closet and just sit there with my chair and my laptop sitting on the outside. Um, but as long as it sounds good, nobody cares what it looks like. That really is irrelevant, but it is tricky in the beginning to really get things sounding good. So I would say record yourself often, make yourself sound as good as possible. And once you can get that sound nice and locked in to where it's broadcast quality, that is the key word, broadcast quality, because we no longer can rely on outside studios. So when a client hires you, they wanna know that they're getting the full shebang. It's not fair to us, but that's where we are. Um, so you'd be better off having a budget microphone that sounds great and a much better treated space than having a not so great space and a really great microphone. You know what I mean? So I would say that's most important to get started. Absolutely. Rob. Totally uh, agree. Uh, yeah, definitely be the space. Uh, space is huge. huge uh, it's paramount. Um, your equipment, it's nice. It's nice to say, look, I got an Apollo. It's nice to say that I have a Sennheiser. Uh, but truth be told, if you're just hanging out with some blankets around you, that's not going to be enough. Your space has to absolutely 100% be up to snuff. And I, uh, you know, from what I've noticed, at least I feel like, you know, uh, there, there's a there's a weird thing where equipment is the end all be all and people don't focus anywhere near enough on their space um, that and some folks are a little delusional about their space. You have to be completely self-aware and know my space sucks and you have to act accordingly. 
Uh, you have to, because if not, you're going to have a really nice mic, a sick interface, uh, pro tools because overkill, why not? But you're going to echo like it's nobody's business and you're not going to get jack. Um, and you're going to be like, but why not? I got all the stuff. I got all this stuff. What's the problem? It's like, yeah, well, you sound like you're in a giant box. So fix that. Um, so, you know what I mean? So, you know, if you're going to focus your money on anything, focus in on that. Um, get yourself a mentor. Figure out how they did it. And, uh-huh. again, even if you get a booth, that's not the end all do all. You need to treat that booth. Um, because depending where you're at, because I can tell you right now, my booth works nice. I'm in the suburbs of Long Island. Take my booth and put it in the middle of Washington Heights. I guarantee it will not work. Mm-hmm. It yeah. will not block out the sirens. It will not block out the dudes, the Dominican dudes playing dominoes down the block. It won't happen. All right. So <laughs> be self-aware of your space. Your space is absolutely unique and you have to treat your space accordingly. What other people did may not work for you. And trust your ears. A lot of people don't realize that, you know, I mean, I've spent a lot on a triple wall booth and you would think that right out of the box, it should sound amazing. Frankly, you know, and and Jordan, you know, can confirm this. Most of them out of the box do not sound great. They still require some sort of bass trapping or, or extra treatment. So always trust your ears and don't be afraid to go the extra mile until it sounds right. Yeah, and yeah. Trust expert ears as well, right? You can send it to people who know what they're, they're talking about. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, actually, absolutely get an audio engineer to check it out. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So time is flying by here. Um, so I don't want to get into the weeds of where do you find auditions, where do you find work, because that's been covered at nauseam everywhere. We'll probably have some questions later. But I want to find out really from you guys, if you remember any sort of aha moments in your career that made a significant difference? Were there any things that you did that you were like, oh, I've been doing this wrong all this time, or that really made a significant difference, or you invested in a coach or some process that let you forward? Uh, I mean, I had a a big aha moment, actually, um, probably about a year ago. Um, I was doing, I was already doing well, but I reached a point where it kind of felt like I didn't know what else I could do. I, I kind of sat there and I'm like, I'm, you know, I got bookings coming. I'm, I'm getting auditions. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm booking, but I feel like I need to do like, there has to be something else. This, it can't just be this, you know what I mean? I feel like there's more there. There's gotta be more. And the aha moment was that even though I was successful, even though I was full-time, even though I, that was my sole mean of income, I thought, Oh, you know what? This isn't the end of it. I can still ask for help. I, I, I can still do more and, and find and, and ask somebody who knows more than me. I, I shouldn't be proud because oh, I'm full time. I make all the money. It's like, no, it's like, you're doing all right. You're doing all right, kid, but you don't know it all. And it's okay to be self-aware and know that and, and, and know within yourself, you don't know it all. And it's okay to ask somebody else and be like, this is what I'm doing. I probably should be doing something else. You've been doing it longer than me. You know, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Find your <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I have like six of them. And, 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 and the thing is, you need to find those people because they're going to tell you um, possibly something that you're missing that you didn't even think of. Or maybe you did think of it and you just never acted on it. Whatever. 
Um, for me, it was branding. You know, a year ago, I had no branding. I was just, I was just coasting by. Nobody knew who I was. You know, if you knew me, it's because you probably saw me in a forum. But now, but once I flexed my branding and I got that locked in, my bookings doubled. And my, my, and from there, my viewership doubled and people now know me before I know them, which ended up becoming a goal for me is that I want to be, I want to walk in somewhere and people be like, Oh, that's Rob. And me go, Hey, I am Rob. Who are you? You know, <laughs> on the working pros panel at evocation. <laughs> that's it. That's it. I'm done. I'm at done least, guys. At least 147 people know you now. Boom. That's it. After this, I'm putting the headphones down and I'm retiring. The hustler's going home. <laughs> uh, Mira, what about you? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree that like the power of relationships in this business is so important. I, I, I had a few light bulb moments. Um, the first was probably headshots. When I got into this business, I was using like a little cartoonish logo sort of thing because, you know, I mean, again, this was 12 years ago people were always about, you know, oh, you don't want the client to automatically see you and, and pigeonhole you into just this one thing, you know, regarding your age or your race or whatever, you know, and I didn't want people to just see me and go, oh, we'll hire her when we need the black girl, which at that time was not very often. Uh, so I wanted to be able to work and I wanted people to just hear my voice first, hear the work and say, that's the voice I want. So I hid behind this cartoon for the longest time. And it wasn't until I think one day I was surfing through one of the pay to play sites or whatever. And I see, you know, all these sea of faces and everything. I'm like, Oh, she looks nice. And blah, blah, this and that. And I see my cartoon and I realize, you know, a cartoon when you're, you know, we're at the end of the day, we are still human animals as it were, you know, and we connect to that human connection. And, you know, when you're competing with the sea of, you know, literally thousands of others, in many cases, you don't want to be this sort of abstract idea of a talent. You know what I mean? The more you can be a living, breathing personality that people like and feel like is the real deal, who's going to represent their brand, the more they're going to want to connect with you because people want to work with people that they like. So that was really important for me to, to realize. Um, networking. Um, I used to be in management and I hated the whole idea of the fakery of schmoozing. Uh, you know, I was just like, I, I don't like this idea of like, you know, oh, we're getting to know each other, but we really got an agenda, you know, <laughs> just, I hate that. <laughs> so I resisted it for the longest time, but I eventually got myself out there and started doing conferences and it was absolutely the best thing I could have done for my career off the bat because literally some people who were at my first conference who I didn't even get to talk to, maybe I just waved at, but they just saw my presence. I was top of mind. I got referrals to agents. I got, you know, at least 30% more work. I suddenly, you know, was top of mind. And, and there's just some sort of bond that happens when you go to these events, you know, when you spend a few nights, maybe having a couple of drinks, um, you know, with these people in the same industry and we're all hustling together, you, you kind of feel like you're in the trenches and suddenly you get this sort of instant family. And the value in that is just priceless. And it, it doesn't become an insincere thing. They become real friends. So that was really huge for me. Um, another thing that was important for me to realize was uh, going in, I did what I call, unfortunately, a rookie mistake for a lot of talent. I kind of treated my business like you would any other business. Like, I'm here to serve. I'm, I'm your, you know, customer service rep. I'm fast. I'm quick. I'm all this stuff or whatever. And it's just like, well, 
you know, you can be quick and cheap and all this stuff, but everybody wants the luxury item, right? You know, I, I, I always compare it to you can be a Toyota or a Lexus. Um, everybody can afford a Toyota. Toyota is easily accessible. Toyota's cheap. It's quick to turn around. The Lexus is the thing where you're like, oh, I might have to ask the dealer how much that, that price tag is. But that's what everybody aspires to. Everybody aspires to the Lexus. Nobody aspires to the Corolla. And once I realized that I needed to start marketing myself like the Lexus and not the Toyota, things went through the roof. Um, and last but not least, trust your voice, your sound. So many people get into this industry and frankly, aren't comfortable with their voice. They hear themselves and they're like, oh, I can't stand to hear myself. Or, well, you, you better get used to it. I was one of those people. Uh, when I first got in the industry, I have a deeper voice. It's kind of androgynous. I was afraid it was much too masculine. You know, I could put on the pretty, you know, feminine commercial voice and do all that stuff. But I felt like, oh, I'm going to make all this money not being me. And how am I ever going to stand out? And it wasn't until I just started to... I would have these moments, you know, during auditioning where I'm just like, screw it. I'm just, I'm just going to sound like myself, whatever. Just, just, just be relaxed and confident. And I was shocked. And to this day, it still happens. I book that way. Um, you know, this voice that I thought was too masculine or, or too loud or too whatever suddenly became an asset because now people who were looking for a female for a spot that was typically done by a man they say my voice lent the authority and all these different things. So it turned out to be a gift. And all this time I was kind of cringing by letting people hear it. And and also at the end of the day, you know, we're always talking about how you want to stand out. You know, we're competing with a lot of different people and nobody else can do you like you. And we're in the business of selling other people's products all day long. But when it comes to selling ourselves, we suddenly shrink and everybody's like, no, you know, I'm just, I'm, you're, I'll do it quick and cheap. And whatever. it's like, no, you're, you're awesome. You're fantastic. You need to be able to sell yourself with the same confidence that you sell these products. And if you can't get comfortable with that, then you need to reconsider being in this business because we are in the business of selling a product and you it starts with you. Um, you've got to tell the client what your value is. And if you're not comfortable with that, it'll never really work. Wow. Preach. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> um, Mia, what about you? Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to say, Mira, I am the cheap Toyota. I'm one of the voiceovers <laughs> for, the, <laughs> for the Toyota. So amazing. Listen. <laughs> I'll be the it literally is the Toyota. <laughs> so many people want that Lexus money, but they're marketing themselves as a Toyota. And it's, it's hard to, to get out of that. Listen, you be the toy. I mean, you be the uh, Lexus. I'll be the Toyota. It's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> but um, my, my aha moment, I guess I would say, uh, so I didn't, I didn't say that. I didn't go full-time VO until 2016. Well, actually I was doing full-time, but also working my day job. So I didn't leave my day job until 2016. And um, in 2017, I got sick and I had to have a major surgery. And if I had not, in 2016, before I left the day job, I tried to make sure that I had would, was going to be able to set myself up just in case something happened to me. And uh, so I did things like, uh, I didn't have, I wasn't union at the time. So I did things like uh, the freelancers union, they have uh, disability insurance. I signed up for that. I didn't have, you know, union health insurance. I had what they call Obamacare. Uh, it was, which was expensive, but <laughs> I bought it. And 
so in 2017, when I had to have that surgery, I realized number one, oh my God, if I had not done certain things, what would, what, where, where would I be right now? That's one thing that I, I, I uh, understood and realized. And the second thing was I had built up this client list. What was I going to tell my clients? What was I going to tell my agent, my managers? So I had to have a come to Jesus moment and be like, I need to go get well right now. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I hope that you guys will be here when I come back, but I need to go get well. And they said, okay, we will be here when you get back. Don't worry about it. Focus on healing, focus on wellness, get go. And when I, I had to do a full six weeks and we know in the VO world, full six weeks, honey, if you're hot, you're hot. And when you're not, you are not. So um, when I came back after that six weeks, I talked to my, my clients and they were like, yeah, we, we do. We, we were serious. We still want you. And that was a moment like that it let, it let me know that, okay, yeah, your clients trust you. They, they trust that you will do what you say. And there's a part of you that has to trust that they will do what they say too. And so it's a, it's a partnership. It's this reciprocity that happens that I was like totally blown away because everybody knows, everybody talks about, well, business is business and, and that's it. But building those relationships with your clients, it's, it's priceless. It's priceless. Love that. Love those stories. That, that's amazing. Um, okay. I want to get to some questions. We can probably yes. go over a few minutes. So we've got 10 minutes. So Karen, why don't you fire these off? Yes. Okay. I'll, I'll ask you all for short answers to this question. Cause if you each take a minute, then we'll be almost done anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but I love this question and I really, I really want to ask, this is from Sherry uh, B. Tay. Um, if you could go back in time to the first year you started in voiceover, what would you tell your younger self? You're Latino. Be proud of it. Yeah, I think it would be trust your voice. Trust, like literally, trust your voice. <laughs> I'd say, say no sometimes. Mm -hmm. You know, all money, ain't, all money ain't good money, as they say. Mm -hmm. Sometimes. Sometimes it's not worth it. Sometimes you'll have a client that will <laughs> will drive you nuts and you have to say, you know what, we're this is not the relationship that I want and need right now. It's always yeah. the cheap ones too. Always the cheapest ones. <laughs> always. <laughs> Works harder not harder, people. <laughs> Trust right. me, it's not worth it. Yeah, it's funny. In sales, there's like a classic thing. There's like know who your, your sales cows are, the ones that give you big money but are easy to take care of, and know who your dogs are, which are the ones that give you no money but are the most annoying, yapping and barking. <laughs> Those are the ones you want to get rid of. So know your dogs. <laughs> take them out. Love it. <laughs> um, this is from Haley Claire. I would love to hear from all the panelists. What has been the greatest disappointment you've ever had in your career? And how did you deal with that in order to move forward again? Success is always super sexy, she says. But as someone who has dealt with my greatest career disappointment this week, I would love to hear how people found ways to get over that. Oh, so I, <laughs> listen, that still triggers me right now, apparently. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I, um... You know, I can't, with the NDAs, I can't say everything, but what I can say is it was a project that I really believed in 
And I spent about a year recording uh, with a team of, of wonderful people. And at the end of it, they said, you know what, this isn't going to work. And it was heartbreaking because, of course, I had told certain, you know, family members and all that. And I just had to, you know, sometimes you have to sit with yourself and, and, and cry or do whatever. If you love ice cream, you know, <laughs> eat it. <laughs> you need to do whatever it is in order to um, regroup and get back out there because, yeah, I lost that client and, and it didn't work out, but there are so many more amazing moments that are going to happen, I know, and that are happening. So, um, yeah, sometimes you have to, you know, of course, sit with your feelings <laughs> and then get up and bounce back. It's all about being persistent. This is a career that you're going to face a lot of rejections. You know, you, I get rejected more than I get <laughs> hired. So, yeah, you bounce back, you get up and go. Yeah. I think for me, one of the biggest disappointments, um, and Jamie, of course, you and I have had this conversation before, was um, discovering how widespread uh, blackface in voiceover is um, and, and realizing that some agents who i known for a very long time and trusted um, were actually putting me up against uh, white people who were doing ridiculous caricatures, insulting beyond belief. I mean, the most... Yeah typical insulting caricatures of what it means to be African-American. And I was losing out to those jobs. Um, and they were even doing political work. Uh, that, oh. was, that was, you know, tell, telling our community how to vote. Um, that I'm still dealing with my feelings about that um, because I just felt a lot of betrayal, uh, particularly for all of the other people in our community who are trying to enter and realizing that we were competing with, with a, a cliche uh, because yeah. we weren't room and we weren't there to say this is not okay and this is not what and 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 I've actually been told that the argument for that happening was because they sounded more authentic than us <laughs> and I'm like, oh, brother oh, sorry, how is a mockery you know this this blackface sort of thing more authentic than the real deal you tell me but that's that that's been something that I'm still reeling with but uh trying trying to combat by having a lot more discussions about now and things are changing, thankfully. Yeah. Yes. Uh, for me, uh, I don't have anything anywhere near as big as those. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> so I've been very fortunate. Uh, but for me, uh, my biggest thing was, uh, you know, learning to not fall in love with auditions. Um, sometimes you get an audition for an amazing project and you absolutely fall in love with it before you even record the audition then you fire off the audition and you're just on high because you're like man i can't believe i auditioned for this amazing whatever and then you never hear anything again um and that happening many times over can really be bad for your own self-esteem it'll make you doubt if you should even be doing this mind you you could be working but you're like maybe i'm not cut out for it because that one dream job that i fell in love with didn't happen it's like Listen, man, you got to learn how to take them in, appreciate that you had the opportunity to even audition, audition, fire it off, keep it pushing. Amazing. Well, that was such an uplifting and fascinating panel. Thank you so much, Mia, Mira, and uh, Rob. And uh, yeah, amazing. I'll let the crowd say thank you to you guys. Thank you, thank you so, thank you so much. much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
Many thanks to Patreon super member and voice actor Angus McLeod. <laughs>